You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Thank you so much that you're here. I want to thank you that uh, your word and your Holy Spirit are here today uh, for us, Lord. They have a plan. They have a purpose. And I thank you, God, that you're going to go to work right now in our lives. I pray your word would speak, uh, that it would do what it says it will do, Father, that it would separate, Lord, our thoughts uh, from your truth, God, that it, would, that it would help move our emotions out of the way so you can speak faith into our spirit, that it would separate bone and marrow, and your Holy Spirit would move on us, Lord, empowering us to step into what it is you have for us in this future, in the name of Jesus. And everyone who was expectant said... Come on. You guys are on fire this morning. I had to like encourage expectation a couple of times from our central campus, but you guys are pumping. I love it. Actually, I would say that is a, I think that's a trait of Northwest. I really do. You guys are, uh, without doubt, naturally front-footed, naturally engaged, uh, expectant, and uh, that is incredible. Never lose that. Um, it's, it's a culture of our church that I think uh, you guys absolutely uh, demonstrate, uh, and I love it. I love coming here and preaching because you, you guys are in. Uh, it's good. So... I want, to, I want to tell you a story. Is that all right? It's okay if we do some storytelling. It's about uh, this long-distance swimmer from America. And I like long-distance stuff. I'm, as you can see, a long-distance endurance athlete myself. So I relate to many of the aspects of this story. Um, and so she, her name's Florence Chadwick. Uh, some of you might know her. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel um, in both directions. Uh, not back-to-back, because no one's, uh, I don't think anyone's actually done that. But she swam one way, set a record, had a holiday in France, turned around, swam back. Um, it, was a, it was a year-long holiday, but it was all right. Immigration didn't, didn't get onto her too quick. Uh, anyway, she swam back the other way the next year. And in 1951, she set that record. So she became the record holder of uh, the England-France uh, Channel Swim in both directions. Fairly significant accomplishment. Um, I'm, I'm yet to, to nail a, a distance quite that long, but I'm on the way. It's in, so, so as soon as she'd done that, because you know, some people are those people where like, they do something you could never dream of, and then that's kind of not enough. And I'm like, God, why did you make those people? Uh, they intimidate me, and they make me feel like I never do anything in my life. But the next year, she, she goes swimming the English Channel in both directions. I've got more in me. I've got more to give, which is something we should always have. We should always have more to give. Um, she attempted to swim this 50-kilometer stretch of water between the Catalina Islands and the Californian coast, okay? Uh, apparently, it's, it's notorious. There's sharks, all kinds of things out there. Um, and it says here that it was 26 mile, which I, I had to do my little uh, Google calculate, like convert, uh, 50 kilometers. Um, and so, um, yeah, I'm never swimming 50 kilometers, ever. Don't, don't ever expect that from me. Anyway, so she's out there and, and she's swimming and she has boats kind of next to her, making sure she's all right. Apparently, as the story goes, uh, there was a couple of guys in the boat who had guns um, just in case there were sharks. That's what I'm talking about, right? We should, I feel like instead of nets, we should just have guys cruising around um, in the ocean with guns and 
If they see a shark where I want to surf, I can just call them over and be like, um, can you sort out the situation for me so I don't have to worry about it? And she's like, I'm not worried. I'm swimming. Guys with guns, they got me. Um, and so she's swimming along. These guys are looking out for her. Her mum's in the boat supporting her, all of that. And if you know the Californian coast, it's like notorious for this particular type of weather, right? Like fog rolls in all the time into California. San Francisco is, is kind of really known for it. The bridge disappears in the fog and all this. Anyway, 15 hours into her swim. 15, can you imagine swimming for 15 hours? Like, and I'm not talking about with a shallow end where you can pretend you're still swimming, but actually you're standing up, right? Come on, swimming carnivals, amen. I'm still swimming while I'm walking on the bottom. Uh, anyway, she's, so she's open water swimming, 15 hours, and this, the fog starts to roll in. And obviously, she can't see where she's going. She's got the boat next to her. The guys are on shark duty. They can't see the sharks anymore. Uh, but she's, she's, she knows that you know, she's on the way, but she can't see where she's going. And the story, t- the story goes that um, she slowly began to doubt her ability to make the distance. Um, and it says that she began to talk to her mum about not being able to make it. And, and uh, long story short, uh, eventually she said, no, I really can't do this. I need, I need to hop out. And so they got her out of the water, put her in the boat, wrapped you know, a couple of towels around her, one of those space blankets, those shiny things that are really cool. Um, and and I, I, I said to Central, I hope they got like a hot cup of tea. I was like, that would have been nice, right? Like a cup of soup, cup of soup. I don't know if they exist anymore. I found, actually, I was clearing out my desk at work when I, when I resigned, not from church. Um, and and I, I, found, I found a box of cup of soup. I have no idea how long this box of cup of soup has been in my desk. I was at school for 10 years, so it could be a while. Um, anyway, the fog cleared as she's sitting in the boat, and she found she was only about one mile away from the finish. Right? Like, that's, that's yes, obviously she was devastated. I mean, you're all devastated, and you didn't do any swimming. Um, <laughs> And so she's, she's obviously devastated. Anyway, story goes, two months later, she's like, I'm going to do it again. Um, and, and so this time uh, she, she heads out and again, about 15 hours in, fog comes in again. Only this time she just kind of kept swimming. She just kept swimming, kept swimming, kept swimming, got to the beach. And um, they asked her when she finished the swim, when she made it, they said, what was it this time that enabled you uh, to get to the beach when last time, you know, you, you felt like you couldn't do it and you got out of the water? Did you like, did you, did you do extra training um, or, or like did you carbo load? You talk about carbo load. I know all about that as an endurance athlete. Um, I'm, I'm carbo loading at the moment. Um, I haven't entered an endurance event. I'm just carbo loading it's in preparation, right? It's winter. Hands up if you're carbo loading just because it's winter, right? Like pizza and pasta. I had both for lunch the other day. Like it's like a potluck lunch. Oh, pizza and pasta and some sourdough. Let's carb plate. Anyway, she said it was none of that. What she said was this time she had an image of the beach in her mind. That the last time when she saw the finish, she grabbed a hold of that, and the next time the fog rolled in, she, she kept that at the front of her mind as she was swimming through the fog. And she didn't operate according to what she could see. She operated according to the vision that she held on to. And, and we have to under, yeah, come on. You can, you can clap for Florence. She's a legend. Um, she's a legend because she teaches us that vision is not sight. 
We have to understand as we come into this month focused around the vision of our church, that vision is not sight. We cannot see right now with our eyes the things God has planned for our church. We cannot see it with our eyes. If we choose to live according to the natural, we will never move towards what God has for us. We have to understand that we will move towards what we are looking at. And we can look at something in the natural or we can choose to look at something that is within us. It's, you see, when we have vision, we actually have a destination. If we don't have a vision, we don't have a destination. You see, this scripture that we read in Proverbs, is, I love Proverbs, it often has these two sections of scripture jammed together and, and there's a tension to be found in them and we kind of wrestle it out. And, and the great thing about this scripture is, is the first one says, people who don't have a vision stumble around. And we can go, well, that's good because immediately I can kind of tick that off because I know we have a vision. I know that as a church, we have a vision. We're a life-giving church empowered by the Spirit to influence this city and beyond for the kingdom of God. Can you let Pastor Keith know I quoted that without it in my notes? That would be great. Um, Yeah, I memorized this. I spent most of my prep time on that. But I know we have a vision. So I know we aren't stumbling around as a church. We are heading in a particular direction. And we believe it's a direction that God has placed on the heart and given the picture in the mind of our senior ministers. And we are saying that is where we're heading. That is our destination. That gives us direction. That's where we're not stumbling. We're on purpose. We're not stumbling. We're on purpose. However, that we can tick that because really, uh, Pastor Keith did that job for us. I love it when people do my job for me. But the second half of that scripture says... That, that what we have to do, it's kind of like it passes, passes the buck now into our court and it says, well, it says what we attend to leads to blessing. What we attend to leads to blessing. So we might have a vision, we might have direction, but if we don't attend to our part of that, we don't walk into the blessing of it. We can miss blessing by simply sitting. We can miss blessing because God told us to do something, gave us an opportunity. Instead of attending to that opportunity, instead of attending to the revelation that he placed in your spirit about your freedom, about your deliverance, about about your healing, about your new creation state, about your forgiveness, instead of attending to that and making it a part of your life, you're still stuck dealing with the same sorts of things around and around your head. I'm telling you, blessing is on the other side of attending to the revelation that God gave you. And the same is for vision. Once he makes it clear, once he reveals the vision to you, our job is then to attend to it. Yeah. Thanks, man. What we have as a vision inside of us will always determine our final destination. How you see yourself is what you will move toward. You see, vision is not something that we hold externally we don't get to see it with our eyes we have to realize that vision is an internal image vision is something god god stirs and gives a picture of in, in inside of us in our heart it's, it's the one that we look at when in the natural we see something very different it's it's what we it's what we hold in front of our mind when when all around us our sight tells us differently it, when, when the fog rolls in like if we're florence and the fog is rolling in in life Right, Like if our relationship is going through a really tumultuous, that's a great word too, like just life is getting all stirred up, finances are getting stirred up, we're, we're struggling with our health. When, when the fog of life rolls in and we lose sight visually, 
We have to have a vision inside of us or we stop moving and we remain stationary. And I believe it's one of the greatest ways in which the enemy stops us achieving the things that God has for us is he uses fog and then tries to take away our vision. Uses fog because then, because then we don't know where to go. Then we don't know where to move. Then the first half of Proverbs comes back and we stumble around. It's like we're, it's like we're walking in this fog and we don't know where we're going. You see, vision always exists in the same place as faith. They come from the same place. This is why we are, we are called, you see, faith, sorry, faith makes us believe what we see in our hearts is possible when all around it seems impossible. It's why we're called to live by faith and not by sight, right? Like uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I think it is, tells us we are to live this life according to faith. We capture a vision from God. We apply faith to it, which enables us to move towards the vision. Even if what we see in front of us seems to be telling us that, that we, it's not working, this, this isn't going to happen. When, when everything that we see in the natural, when even when our emotions or our feelings are telling us this isn't right, this isn't, you know, when Scripture tells you that you're a new creation, but you still seem to struggle with the old stuff. Well, is that just me? I'm the only one up here on, on display. I have weaknesses just like you. I, I have to apply with faith the vision that the New Testament paints as my reality. I have to apply that so I move towards it rather than staying stuck in the weaknesses I'm all too aware of because of my natural sense of self. If we do not operate out of faith, we will stay in our natural sense of self. And we need to move into faith to be able to move towards the vision that God has for our life. You see, we're always given a choice. The choice is on us. Ever since we were in the Garden of Eden, one man, one woman, we were given a choice. You see, God always lands us with a choice because He knows that we actually uh, that we have decided to move toward Him in love. And it's all about relationship. It always has been, always will be. We don't choose out of obligation. We choose out of relationship. We've always been given a choice to live by faith or facts vision or sight. Every day we wake up, we can choose to live by the facts of our existence or we can choose to operate from the spirit that is within us and move according to the faith that God has stirred up in our, in our spirit. Right? We can choose to live by what we see in our natural circumstances or like Florence did when the fog rolls in, we can hold the vision of the finish line in front of our mind's eye and, to, and move towards it in faith that it's going to happen. You see, unlike Florence, though, our faith is not in our ability. You see, if you're Florence, you've, you've trained for this event, you, you know, you've swum countless hours in the pool, and you are confident of your ability. You're confident of your skill, and in some sense, and I, I do know a little bit of this, I have, I have run a couple of uh, half marathons, and I know that if you do the training, you're confident you can do the distance. There's something that you build up in training that you, you, you get to the start line and it's not a matter of whether I will or not finish. It's, it's a time thing. You're confident of your capacity to finish. And so I understand Florence's perspective. So her faith is in her ability to finish. And so she holds the, the vision of the finish line in her mind's eye. But because the vision that we hold on to came from God, we don't have to consider our ability in our capacity to get to it. But because it came from God, it's on God to help us get there. 
And this, this, is why we have to, this is why we have to engage our faith, right? Because if we, if we think that it's got to be about our ability and it's got to be about what we can do or it's got to be in our strength or in our might, we go against what Scripture says when it says that it's not by strength, it's not by might, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. You see, if God gave you the vision, then it's by God's power that we will outwork the vision. You see, our faith is not in the destination, being a certainty. It's not even in our ability to get there on our own. Our faith is in our God. Our faith is always in our God. Our faith is in His character. Our faith is in His consistency. Our faith is in His faithfulness. Our faith is in His ability to do what He says He can do. Our faith is in Him as provider. Our faith is in Him as healer. Our faith is in Him as deliverer. Our faith is in Him, not in my ability to do any of those things, but in who He is. My faith is connected to His character, not the destination. So if it takes longer than I'm expecting to get there, I'm not someone that Scripture talks about when it says hope deferred makes the heart sick because my hope is not only in the destination my hope is firmly planted in who my God is and that doesn't change and that doesn't that doesn't fail that stays the same so my hope is always uplifted because the character of God is always unchanging and so when I place my faith in in him not in his hand when I place my faith in who his character says he is I don't have to worry about if it takes me five years ten years to get to where he says I'll go that's on him Warming up up here, come on. The vision is not, see, the vision that we have right now as a church is not just something for Pastor Keith to see. And we've got to capture this this morning. As we head in towards what Pastor Darren was saying about Vision Sunday, uh, our, 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 com- our a big kind of combined gathering where we're going to come and we're going we're gonna to go, yep, I'm in, I'm bringing finance into the, the, the house of God to see this vision take place. We, we have to be ones that see the vision as well. If Pastor Keith is the only one who sees this vision, then we are going to struggle to move with faith when it comes to our part in the vision. And now, can I tell you something? Your part goes way beyond whatever finance you feel like you're, you're being called to pledge towards this. That, that, that is, for me, finance represents where your heart is at, not what God has called your hands to do. Okay, because it says where your heart is, there your treasure will be. So when we're talking about finance, we're talking about heart. When we're talking about the, the, the point, when we're talking about what your place in the vision is, we're talking about what God has placed in your life, in your hands to actually do as an outworking of the vision. So there is a difference. When I start in a second talking about where do you see yourself in the vision, I'm not talking about seeing yourself give. That's you telling yourself where your heart is. That's not what God has only for you. You see, so, so we're positioned, when Pastor Keith announced this vision, he used Esther um, chapter 4, I believe it was. And it, it, the story of Esther is that she is in the, in, kind of in the king's little um, community of ladies, shall we say. Um, and uh, if you didn't, you should have left your kids in kids' church. Um, and Mordecai, who's her uncle, comes to her and says, hey, Listen, you're not just in um, the king's little, little community of ladies for the reason that perhaps the king might think you're there, okay? Uh, you're not there just for um, his every beck and call. No, you're, you're actually there for such a time as this. There is, there is a positioning and a, and, a, and a hand of God at work that you're not seeing that because God enabled you and positioned you for such a time as this. This is, where, this is where Esther is being challenged to live by a vision, not by sight. 
Because by sight, there was all sorts of other reasons why she was where she was. But no, when we, when we understand that Mordecai began to see a greater thing at work, a greater, a greater opportunity at work, that God might be, might be at work to deliver his people and, and the nation of Israel, a promise that God said he would do, and who he was to them, that he was their deliverer. When, when, when Mordecai began to see that, he was like, hang on a second, I'm seeing maybe why Esther is positioned where she is. And perspective began to come on, on Mordecai around the vision, not just what could be seen. And, and so Pastor Keith un, unveiled that last week and he said, you know, this is not just a vision that is our, uh, that it's time, but this is a vision that is our time, our time. There is, there is something for all of us to see in this vision. There is something that we need to recognize that we all are here for such a time as this. That we are all here for such a time as this. It's not just Pastor Keith here for such a time as this, or Pastor Janet, or, or your awesome uh, campus pastors, pastors Darren and Beck. It's not just that they're here for such a time as this, okay? Because it'd be lonely if they were the only ones here. They'd be really lonely, right? But you're all here for such a time as this. We're all here for such a time as this. There's something on all of us. There is a place for all of us. There is a, a role for all of us within this vision. If we, can, if we can only see it, if we can only see it. And, uh, and while, we were, while we were at prayer meeting on Tuesday night, battling the, the cyclonic conditions, um, felt like God began to speak to me and give me some words really specifically around um, this Sunday. Uh, and, and I love that. I love that it's, it's you know, Pentecost Sunday and, and, and I, I have an expectation that God will move every Sunday, but there's something about Pentecost Sunday where I kind of just, I just feel like God always just wants to express something fresh of His Spirit uh, uh, and release something. Anyway, I felt like God put on my heart a couple of words for some people, and uh, I feel like I want to release them now um, over, over you, if that's all right. Um, and so the first, the first word uh, is for people who right now at the moment within the organization or the, the kind of the, the company setting that you find yourself in, your influence is, is over more than 100 people. So, so uh, I, I know one example of this would be if you're a school teacher um, and you have, particularly in high school, you have a couple of classes that go past you every day. Um, you, you have influence over 100 people. Or maybe, maybe you're in an office and you are responsible for kind of a team of 10, but they're each responsible for a team of 10. And so down the line, the culture flow of your organization below you, you have culture influence over more than 100 people. Okay, so start thinking, is this me? What's my role? What's my... If that's you, I'd, I'd like you to stand. I got a word uh, for you this morning uh, about this. So um, you, can, you can feel free to stand. If there's nobody here, that's all right. I had a few people at Central. Terrific. Yes, come on. Oh, yes, absolutely. Come on. Yes, I was waiting for you to stand up. Yeah, yeah, come on. Just going to let God keep speaking to people. Thank you, Jesus. More than 100 people, more than 100 people. Awesome, awesome. All right. Sometimes God gives me really specific words. I get to write it down in advance. This is one of those times. Um, so I'm, I'm going to read what he gave me. And then as I was delivering it centrally, kind of, kind of took me on a bit of another journey. So we'll see what he does this morning. But this is, this is the word that he gave me for you, for you guys. He said, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not see it? My purpose has not been slow. Now is the time I have predestined and I have positioned you. 
I have raised you up. My church will be a church on a hill, a city on a hill that cannot be unseen. You are my church. You are a stone, a living stone fashioned and molded to be seen in this season. Mighty God, right now, I want to pray for every one of these people that, Lord, you have raised up. God, you have positioned. I'm here to tell you right now, it was not only your gifts or your abilities that that got you in the spot that you're in. No, God always had a plan to raise you up and to position you. He always had a plan to have you where you're at in that organization and in that company for such a time as this. Because the influence that you have is not just for the benefit of the company. The, The influence that you have right now is for the kingdom of God. I'm telling there is something in the kingdom of God to be released through you. There is a light in you to be seen and you have been positioned so many see it. You have been positioned so many see it. So many experience it. There is something about what God has raised you into so that you can be seen by many. So mighty God, I pray right now you'd give wisdom, you'd give faith, I pray for every opportunity that comes for every one of these people. Father, that they might be willing to be seen, that they might be willing to allow your kingdom to be seen in them in the name of Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, begin to move even now. Bring boldness onto them. Help them to capture the the image and the vision of what it is that you have positioned them there for for such a time as this. This is your time. This is your time to influence that space for the kingdom of God. There will be other times, there'll be, but right now there is something on this time for you to bring influence for the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. So God, have your way. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Feel free to take a seat when, when you like. The second, the second group of people I really like to pray for is, is there's a story in Scripture that I really love. It's a story of where, it's where Elijah, kind of, if you know it, you'll be familiar with it, he, he kind of throws, throws his, his, kind of his jacket. I wouldn't do that because I like mine. But he, he throws his jacket at this young guy, Elisha. And it's really representative. It's representative in the Old Testament. The cloak that they called the mantle was kind of, it, it set them apart. It showed the purpose that was on their life. Prophets wore this mantle and it, it, made, it distinguished them as walking in anointing. Um, and, and so he took it off and he, he threw it to, to, to Elisha, representing the fact that Elisha was going to pick up the mantle and the anointing uh, and had an opportunity to step into something right there and then for the kingdom of God. And the funny thing is that right up until that point, Elisha had been, really his life looked quite mundane. We're told that he was simply plowing a field. He's going back and forwards, back and forwards over the same ground. Not much changing, not much happening. Just back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. He's, he's, I like to say he was plowing for a paycheck. That's all it was. There was nothing about what he was doing that was, that was clearly, visibly about the kingdom of God. Now, he was just being faithful. He was being diligent. But he was doing the same thing over and over and over again. And there was, there was, there was a mundaneness to it. But that was, that, that was what life looked like. And then in a moment, an opportunity was presented to step into an anointing and do something for the kingdom of God. And I, and I believe right now that, that for, those, 
for those of you who feel like you are in that season where, where your mundane, your day-to-day looks like nothing is happening in, in terms of the kingdom of God, where you're just, you're just plowing for a paycheck, right? You're just, you're just doing your job. You're just on the grind, working nine to five, all those cliches about work. But you're just, you're just, it just seems like you're going backwards and forwards over the same ground at work and nothing's happening, nothing's changing. And you're like, God, what am I doing? What am I doing? I've got a word for you. I'd like you also to stand so I could pray for you. If you feel like that's you this morning, your job or, or, or the space in your life is, is really just quite mundane, backwards and forwards. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's life sometimes. We just, we just, and there's faithfulness, there's diligence in it, absolutely. Uh, but I'd love, I'd love to pray for you. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father. See, the thing was that Elijah presented Elisha with an opportunity. It was an opportunity to step into an anointing, something fresh on his life. Father, right now, I want to pray over every single one of these people. God, I believe you have an opportunity for them. I believe that there is an opportunity that is coming that is presenting itself in front of them for them to step into an anointing to do something significant in your kingdom. Lord, right now, I want to I just pray over them boldness and faith to grab a hold of the opportunity. Lord, to not look back, to not step out while still looking behind them, wondering whether or not their past is meant to hold them back. No, Elisha burned the plow. He sacrificed the oxen. There was nothing about his past that was about his future. There was nothing about his past that the anointing and the kingdom of God had for him and his future. So right now, I declare over every one of these people that there is going to be a breaking of things from your past and an opportunity to step into a fresh anointing for the kingdom of God. Um, and I, I, and the other, Elisha, the things that he developed, the strength and the endurance and the resilience and the capacity to keep going over a long period of time when things didn't seem like they were changing, those things are being developed in you right now in this past season to hold you in the anointing that God is placing in front of you. So God, I pray over every one of these people right now in Jesus' name, fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Give them eyes to see what is in front of them. Give them eyes to see right now what is in front of them. That there is an opportunity to step into an anointing for your kingdom. To see miracles. To see lives changed and transformed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Awesome. Thank you. Last but not least, I, I guess it's a question to everyone. And you know, when you when you're learning to be a preacher, they say you shouldn't you shouldn't ask questions in your message because you should know what you're talking about. Um, but this is this is more of an action related question. Where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself within the vision of our church? Our church, this this phase of the vision is for growth, it's for influence. It's for growth, it's for influence, it's for transition, but that's, that's a little bit less inclusive of everybody except that you get to come on the faith journey with us and what that looks like. But I'm telling you, there is a place and a purpose for every person 
in some aspect of what it means for us to see growth and for us to see influence. And where do you see yourself? Where do you, where, what, what is God stirring in you right now? What picture is he placing in your heart in that same space where faith lives? What picture is he generating? What is he showing you that by faith you, you need to step into? You know, we're launching, uh, part of our vision is to launch 20 initiatives by 2020. 20 initiatives by the end of 2020 out of our center downstairs. Maybe that's where God's speaking to you. Maybe he's beginning to stir in your heart about something you're really passionate about. And you thought, I don't know how this connects with the kingdom of God. But he's beginning to reveal to you that it absolutely connects with the kingdom of God. It's meant to be one of the initiatives that we start in our center that brings people from the community one step closer to being in the kingdom of God. And, and, and you need to step into that with faith. Or maybe God's beginning to show you a whole group of friends that, that, that you're a real influence over and you're supposed to be an inviter in that group. You're supposed to be someone and, and maybe God's beginning to show you an image of those people in the house of God and you're meant to be a contributor to, to the, the campus growth goals that we have. We have very real, tangible growth goals for our campuses, 150 for Northwest. Uh, and and you know, we believe that by faith, right? Vision doesn't measure us, but it motivates us. Okay, so that number is to move us forward so we don't get stuck in stagnation. We don't go, oh, we got 149, so we failed. No, no, no. No, we don't even look at it like that. It's a motivator. It's about driving us forward. It's about keeping us going. It's about going, there's more. There's always more in the kingdom of God. And maybe you see yourself right now as being an inviter and someone who's contributing to, to the growth of this campus. Or maybe you see yourself in a V group. Right, there's, there's an area of your life you've been battling, you've been struggling with, but maybe God's giving you a picture right now and you're seeing that breakthrough. You're seeing yourself in a room, like a small group of people and, and in that moment, someone prays over you and there's breakthrough in your life. V groups are about growth in you. They're about growing and maturing and discipleship and maybe you've seen yourself set free of stuff. Maybe you've seen yourself uh, d- delivered from, from anxiety or depression in, in a V group. Maybe, maybe you see yourself just building great friendships. Everyone, everyone, like I'm telling you, you need good friends in this life. You need good, maybe you see yourself leading a V group. You know, we believe in the 75% of our congregations are going to be plugged in and connected into V groups. So we know you guys are being discipled in your relationship with Christ. You're moving forward. You're not, you're not stationary. No, you're on, a, you're on a trajectory with the Lord. And maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's the place that, that you see yourself leading one of those new V groups. You see, there's a, there's a place for everyone. and I've I got to finish by saying what you have is what you need. What you have is what you need. You know, too often we, we get the picture and then, and then almost instantly we go back to sight. We get the vision and almost instantly we go back to sight and we look at ourselves and we go, I'm not enough. I don't have, I can't do that. I don't have what that, I, I, I don't have that. I can't do that. I don't have those skills. Or like, and, and we immediately disqualify the vision because of our sight. I'm here to tell you that what you have is what you need. If you just catch a glimpse of what God can do with what you have. You see, I think of Moses with his staff. I mean, really, he had a stick. Like, we'd, make it, we'd give it a jazzy name, right? But it was a stick. That was all it was. I mean, he may as well have gone to the gum tree, like, out the back and, like, picked up. Like, he had a, it was a stick, Right? And, 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 and really, that was all that he had. He had a stick. And the thing with what we have is that it's not what we have alone. It's what God does with what we have. Right? And so what God did with the stick was when Moses 
stretched the stick out, God, God, God's power came on that stick and suddenly we've got red seas like opening up and, 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 then, and then Moses is like dropping his stick on the ground and God's power's coming on, it's turned into a, sta- a snake in front of Pharaoh and, and then God, he's taking his stick and he's putting it in the ark and suddenly it's budding new life. Like that would freak me out if like a dead, like just a stick that I was going to put in the fire starts like growing again. That would be weird, right? But like what Moses had was his stick and connection with the power of God. And what you have is what you need. All you need is the stick. Maybe you've got a skill. Maybe you've got a passion. Can I tell you, you're never supposed to outwork the vision on your own. You just need to connect what you have with the power of God. That is the essence of anointing. Anointing is the Holy Spirit's power on your gift for a purpose. Jesus took the Old Testament and he said, I am anointed to do. I am anointed for this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do this. There is a connection between purpose and power. God doesn't give you power to stay stagnant. He gives you power to outwork a purpose. And I'm telling you, if we could just grab a hold of that truth and realize that what we have is enough, we would move with faith knowing it's on God to put His power on it. And we grab a hold of that vision and go, I believe. I believe. God, I believe you can do that. God, I believe we can do what we say we're going to do because I believe it's from you. We've got to get the language of faith inside of our hearts, guys. The language of faith is I believe. The language of faith is I believe. I believe you can heal. I believe you can deliver. I believe you can set me free. I believe you can bring that house into our I believe. I believe is what attracts us to God, is what attracted us in the first place. Right, right the very first time we uttered with our mouth, we, 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 we believe there's a God. We believe there's a God. It's a language of faith. It's a language of faith. That's why it's a relationship of faith. And we believe in our hearts. And we confess with our mouth that God is Lord. I don't know where you are this morning in, in your belief system with God. I don't know whether or not you've all got fantastic, humming, life-giving relationships with Jesus. But I know one thing. I know that one moment where we allow that language in our heart to come alive and we just turn back to going, God, I believe. God, I believe. He will take us from a place of death to life. He will take us from a place of being blind to a place of being able to see. That's what He does when we say, I believe. His power on what we have. So why don't, we, why don't we just close our eyes? I want to I ask a simple question here this morning for every person. I want to ask, do you believe in God? Do you have a relationship with Him? Have you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that you believe the God of the Bible is real and that His Son Jesus came to earth, died on a cross so that you could be forgiven of all sin, Sin's a Bible word. It just it means that it means that all the things you've done wrong in the eyes of God can be completely wiped away and forgiven. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I, I've never done that. I've never done that. I've never, I've never said I believe in God. But there's something inside of me that's saying, I want to do that. I want to believe in Him. I want to, I want to take right now a step, a tangible step to establish and begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to do something very simple. It's not embarrassing. Everyone's got their eyes closed, except me. That's just so this, you know. Maybe, maybe right now you, you're like, I, I, used to, I used to believe in God. But if I was honest, the, the fog of life, it's, it, 
something about that has just really diminished. It's just really, and I feel really, I feel really distant. I just, I, I actually would say, I don't know if I've got a relationship with God right now. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. It's very simple. It's just, it's just lifting your hand. That's all it is. In a moment, I'm going to say now. And if you're either one of those people that wants to do this for the first time or, or someone who just is like, I need to do this again. I need to reconnect. I need, I need to say, I believe again in Jesus. Then lift up your hands. Thank you, Lord. Just do that now. If that's you, just do that now. For the first time, or you're like, I need this again. I need to make sure this is, this is real again. God, right across this place, I want to pray for every person. I want to pray even now, you'll be placing a vision in their hearts that they might begin to see their place, their place, Father, in this vision. Lord, I thank you that every single person is a stone. Your word says we're all a stone and we all make up your church. We're living stones being built together. And so, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, let vision rise in every heart. Let vision rise in every heart. Let them see with the eyes of faith their place, the place you have for them, the purpose you have for them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. I am going to hand back to the legend himself, golf extraordinaire, trash can dunk legend. I can do that pretty well. That's true. Thanks, Pastor Nate. Hey, Nade. Pastor Nate, that was so good. I loved it. Good to have our new lead pastor in the house, yeah? So good. Loving it. Loving it. Hey, hang around. Don't rush off. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.